Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Psalm 32, go to Psalm 32. I want to take a moment to just remind you about what we're talking about in this series about very clearly according to John 10, 27, his sheep, the Lord's sheep, those who are submitted to him, those who are under his guidance, under his leadership, hear his voice. He knows them, they follow him. If we follow him, as we've talked about all through this series, how many know things are going to go really good for us? And all we have to do is simply learn how God leads us. Learn how God directs us. Learn how God takes us through this life that we live. And understand that we can truly know and follow that leading. And in doing so, we can wind up in all that God has already pre-planned for us to live in. I'm going to go back to some verses today that oftentimes, even though we are looking at similar verses to what we've already seen, I still need to reiterate because uh, we still see this in this teaching with people uh, actually uh, misunderstanding things about how God leads. How does God lead us? God leads us, but how? How does he do so? Well, we get some more insight here in the book of Psalms, the 32, 32nd chapter, the 8th and 9th verses. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you, God says, and I will teach you in the way you should go. How many think it's great God will do this for you? I will instruct you, say he will instruct me, and he will do what? Teach me in the way that I should go. And notice this, I will guide you with my eye. I will guide you with my eye. How is God going to instruct us and teach us? By guiding us. If we're following God's guidance, how many know we're going to get his instruction and teaching for our life? Does God, by the Spirit of God, guide us to go to church or stay home and sleep on Sunday morning? Does God, by his Spirit, guide us to go to the house of God whenever we have opportunity or to go and hang out and do other things besides going to God's house? He guides us to go to his house. And if we do, guess what we're going to get? Instruction and teaching. He'll instruct us and he'll teach us in what? The way we should go. It doesn't mean we may necessarily receive it, but if we do, it'll be a huge blessing for us. Again, he says, I will do this by guiding you with what? My eye. Well, that, that phrase, even in the New King James, is a little blind to us. What do you mean you're going to guide me with your eye? What's that mean? So the, the, the phrase here, to guide you with my eye, refers to his viewpoint, to how he sees things. How's he going to guide you? Not the way you see things. How's he going to guide you? The way he sees things. So he's not going to guide me in the way I see things. Now, this is important because you've still got a lot of believers who see things the way they do, and they actually think God's leading them by the way they see things. But God doesn't lead us by the way we see things. God leads us by the way He does. I mean, He sees things differently than the way you see them. His ways are not yours. Correct? So realize when God talks here about guiding us, according to His eye, He's talking about guiding us with the view that He sees, what He knows, what He understands. Therefore, if I'm guided by God, God through the way He sees things, He's going to lead me clearly, as we've already talked about in this, uh, in this series as well. He's going to lead me in defeat. 
Nope, he's going to lead me in what? Triumph, victory. Notice the next phrase, the very uh, next verse. Uh, in the context of verse 9, the next phrase here in verse 9. Do not be. Do not be like the horse. Now, wait a minute. What was he just talking about? Instruction, teaching, guidance. How do I get instruction and teaching? By him guiding me. By him guiding me. How does he guide me? To his viewpoint. How he sees things. Then he says, but don't be. See, say, say, do not be. Watch this. Do not be like the horse or the mule. Tell somebody close by you. Don't be like a mule. Don't be like the horse. Watch this. Underline this, please. Which have no understanding. What do you mean? They don't have the ability to know what you know. They don't have the ability to receive uh, understanding and counsel from God or from anybody for that matter like you can. God is an intelligent being. Can you imagine people even wanting to ask the question, I wonder if God's intelligent. Are you crazy? God's an intelligent being. Now we might, uh, we might question that about us. But the truth is, if we do what God says, we're intelligent. And guess how God relates to us as intelligent beings. Notice again what he's saying. Don't be like the horse or the mule. Don't lose sight of what he started off with in verse 8. Leading into do not be like the horse and the mule. What is he talking about here? Guidance. He's talking about how to guide you. Guess how he's not going to guide you? The way you guide a horse or a mule. He's not going to do that. He's telling you don't be like that. So don't be like the horse or the mule because they don't have understanding. Notice, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle. Else they will not come near you. Now I know there's some people today, truly, who have developed in an understanding, even in the context of training horses, where they can actually, I have a friend of mine from Rodeo Days, Ty Murray, he can train horses, he don't use a bridle. He don't use a bit. But you know what you still can't do? You know what he can't do with any of his horses? Let me tell you what he can't do. As good as his horses may be trained, as well as his horses may know him, you know what he can't do? He can't speak to them like an intelligent being. He can't communicate with them like an intelligent being. You can't go to your horse. If anybody thinks your horse is really smart, I challenge you today. Go home, look your horse in the eye, and say, here's what I need you to do. Go down to the grocery store. Pick up milk, pick up eggs, pick up meat. Also get some cheese as well and some bread for the week. And don't forget on your way home to stop by the feed store because you need more hay. Bring it all to the house and put it in the refrigerator. Put your hay out back and then go stand in your stall. That horse going to do that? Why? Why will he not do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because he ain't like you. He don't have the ability to understand what you understand. As smart as a horse may get, as well as you may train them to a degree, what's he telling you? He just told you, don't be like the mule. Don't be like the horse. So even my friend Ty Murray, to train a horse, guess what he does not do? I know some people kind of think that you can do this, but guess what he does not do? He doesn't relate to that horse's inner being. No, he relates to the way that horse thinks. By outer circumstances. Outer. If you watch a horse trainer, guess what they're training them with? Physical things on the outside. They're going to teach them things from the outside of how to be led by them and what they want them to do. God doesn't lead us that way. Don't be like the horse and the mule. Don't expect me to actually have to put a bridle on you or use some external thing 
to cause you to go the direction I want you to go. Because guess what? You are a being with understanding. They are not. I'm not going to relate to you, although I think sometimes he might help us. I'm not going to relate to you like a horse or a mule would in the context of how you would train them. I'm going to relate to you like an intelligent being. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, go through the whole of the Bible. From the beginning of Adam in the garden all the way through to the book of Revelation. Look time and again when God relates to people over and over and over again. Guess what he did? He related to them with intelligence. They received it as intelligent, being able to understand what God wanted to say. Much, much of what we see in the Bible, even relating to directions God gave people, was black and white, very clear. It wasn't vague. It wasn't gray. Moses built an ark. That's not gray. That's not vague. I wonder what that... No, go build an ark. I'm going to even give you the plans. I'm going to show you how to build it. Abraham, leave your family. Come out here to where? To the wilderness. Don't just start walking. I'm going to show you where to go. Now, if God could lead people like that in the Old Testament, and we think God can't lead us in the New, but He doesn't lead us, listen to me, in any way by external circumstances. He does not. And the problem is most of us still think that he does. Most of us still think based on our past, God has led me before I know by opening a door or closing a door. I'm going to answer a question for you. God didn't lead you that way because if he did, he's violating the New Testament of how he said he leads you. We touched on this Wednesday night. To open a door talks about having opportunity. But if you look at the phrase open door in relationship to the aspect of the New Testament, it's referring to preaching the gospel. He's talking about having an opportunity in every one of those situations to be able to proclaim the gospel. But guess what got him there? The leading of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the open door that got him there. Matter of fact, guess what? Uh, Literally, again, Jesus had an open door to the Gentiles, didn't he? I said, didn't he? I said, didn't he? Did he go to them? No, he didn't. Why? God didn't tell him to. He didn't go because the opportunity was there. They wanted to hear him. That's not opportunity. Somebody wants to hear you, that's not opportunity? Yeah. You don't think the people in Athenia, when Paul set out with Silas, we talked about it Wednesday night. You don't think they didn't want to hear the gospel? But God said, don't go there. How? Holy Spirit restrained them. You listening? Yeah. So even though they were told to go preach the gospel in all the world, guess where they were not supposed to be at that time? Athenia. After that, they tried to go to Bithynia, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, Athens. After that, they tried to go to where? Bithynia. I'm getting them mixed up. Then when they tried to go to Bithynia, what happened? Holy Spirit constrained them again. How? Intelligently bearing witness with their spirit through the Holy Spirit. Don't go there. Don't go there. How does God lead us? He does not lead through open and closed doors. You, you go to any great uh, uh, minister of God that I've ever learned anything from that's learned how to follow God, and they will teach you the same thing. God has never led me by open and closed doors. Because if you're going to go by open and closed doors, opportunity, well, let's define where those open and closed doors are. Where are they? They're not in the spirit. They're in the natural. Does God lead us by the natural? Don't be like the horse and the mule. I'm not going to lead you like that. I'm not going to use natural things to lead you. I'm an intelligent spirit being. You're an intelligent spirit being. I can speak to you. You can hear me. I can witness to your spirit. I can lead you that way. 
So you go to every great faith hero I've ever followed who's lived this out. None of them went by opportunity and natural in the sense of following God's leading through stuff that happened in the natural. Oh, I mean, they tried like everybody else. Like Brother Hagin said, the one time I put out a fleece, I got fleeced. Boy, did I make a mistake. Then I was stuck in a church for 14 months that I wasn't supposed to be in. But you know why he stayed? Because he gave his word. You know what the Bible says? You swear to your own hurt and change not. Well, he couldn't change his word or he'd be now violating the Bible. He had to put up with a wrong decision for 14 months. Since the last time I ever did it. I've never gone by the external. Never, ever, never, never, ever, never. God doesn't lead you like a horse and a mule. He doesn't use external things to lead you. He doesn't use opportunity. Are you listening? You got people today who say, you know what? I lost that job, but I, I now, I got to believe. It was probably God's will. He had something better for me, and that's why I lost that job. No, darling. You're saying God took that job away. So what you just said was God intelligently spoke to your boss and told your boss, I don't want him here anymore. Fire him so that they'll go somewhere else. No, he didn't do that. You lost your job for who knows whatever reason. In many cases, it's because you're probably not doing your job. Now, there's other reasons. Certainly, you know, businesses kind of lean out, whatever, have to get rid of people. There's different reasons. But you got to understand this. I'm just telling you, folks, you, you know, we're going through, right now we're kicking over so many sacred cows that most people still don't seem to understand. God doesn't lead you through opportunity. God doesn't lead you through external circumstances. He just told you. He said, you are a being who has understanding, not like a horse or a mule. I can talk to you. If God can talk to us, why would he need to close the door or open a door? Right. If God can guide us and direct us by our, by our spirit to his Holy Spirit, why would he need to take a job away? No, he can just leads you. I don't want you here anymore. Right. Right. Well, I, I didn't know that, so I didn't choose to leave, so God just closed the door and kicked me out of my job. Again, if that's true, what you're saying is God spoke to your boss because he couldn't speak to you. Amen. And most of your bosses are sinners to begin with. I'm talking about the natural. Most people work for sin. Not a lot, sadly, not, unfortunately, not a lot of believers get to work for Christians. Some do, but not all do. You really think that sinner's hearing from God? Are you still here? If you really think God's manipulating people in that way, then guess what? We would basically be robots. No, you got a free will. You have a right to choose what you do, what you don't do. God's saying, you're an intelligent being. I want you to have understanding of what my will is, and therefore you can choose it and follow me because you want to. But I'm not going to lead you through external circumstances. And the more we go by external circumstances, the easier it is for Satan to take advantage of our life. Every decision I've made based on external circumstances in my life basically did not turn out good. And if they didn't turn out really bad initially, they led me further away from what God really wanted me to be doing. I've done things from a perspective of the natural, of seeing a person that needed help. Okay, because they need help, am I supposed to help them? Not if the Holy Spirit doesn't direct me to. See, that'll go contrary to some of y'all's thinking. Well, I'm supposed to help everybody. Oh, really? Really? How come Jesus didn't? Jesus didn't help everybody. You listening? He walked by people his disciples later helped. Why didn't he help everybody? I'll tell you why. Spirit didn't lead him to. You don't do it just because somebody needs the help. 
I've taught you this about all these people. Den's full of them. I'm not faulting anybody that's there that doesn't want to be. But, you know, all these people that stand on the street corner and ask for money. I've heard ministers say, Jesus said you're supposed to give to everybody that asks. Now, that'd be the same thing like love everybody no matter how they treat you. Well, no, the Bible says you love with discernment. And the Bible also says you give with discernment. You've got to put that in the context of the whole of the Bible. Because if I'm supposed to give to everybody that asks me, well, Satan would be sending everybody he could to you that he's got under his control to take all your money, to take it away from the kingdom. He don't want it going to the kingdom. Are you kidding? I know a guy in my church years ago used to give to everybody that asked him. You know what he didn't do? Couldn't even pay his bills. Well, I just thought if I gave, God would give to me. No, you give as God directs. You give as God leads you. Am I going to get any good amens out of this congregation today? You can't be, you can, but God's not leading you through external circumstances. I'm not going to lead you like the mule or like the horse. Right? The mule primarily, you had to put him in a yoke of oxen. The horse, you had a bridle on him with a bed in it to take him where you wanted to go. God is not going to lead us that way. Say, God doesn't want me to be like a horse or a mule. Read it again. I'm just I'm reading the verse to you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will do that. And I will do so how? By guiding you through my viewpoint. How is God going to instruct us and teach us? Through his viewpoint. So now I've got to learn how does he do that? How does he guide me? Well, he clearly says in verse 9, I don't do it like, I, like you would deal with a horse or a mule. Because they have no what? What do they have? What do they have? Verse 9, what do they have? They have no understanding. You do. You're supposed to. They have no understanding. So therefore they must be what? Harnessed with a bit and bridle. Else they will not come near you. Go to Ephesians 5. Say God. Come on, say God does not want me to be like a horse or a mule. No, you have intelligence. You have intelligence. God does want to instruct you. God does want to teach you. But guess what? To do that, you've got to have a desire for understanding. You have to have a desire for God's understanding. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to lead you through my eye, through my viewpoint. So what you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to hear from me so that as I'm guiding you, you will recognize this ain't the way I see it, Lord. So now you've got a choice. If you know God's guiding you, you say, but you know what? I know your way's better. I'm going your way. I'm going your way. See, if you don't allow God to guide you, Guess what you're going to... This is so important to understand. If you don't learn to follow God's leading the way God said he leads you, guess what you'll always do? You'll put your own little spin and interpretation upon external circumstances as to how you're living out your life to whether that's God or not. And God doesn't lead you that way. Doesn't lead you that way. You're not going according to his viewpoint. Any good amens about that? So watch this in Ephesians 5. So he told us there that we're not to be like the horse and the mule. Tell me again why. Because they have what? No understanding. But you and I can. And we're supposed to. Ephesians 5. You still with me? Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Say, I'm light. Watch this. You're light in what? The Lord. Do what then? Walk as children of the light. Don't walk in the darkness anymore. So you're going to see this as it's about to come up in the context in this context, let me, let me give you a heads up. In this context, walking in darkness means to not walk in the understanding of the Lord. 
Walking in light means to walk in the understanding of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. You can have understanding and still not walk in it. You could, you could have understanding. You could know what God's way is and then choose not to walk in it. Read that verse again. You were once darkness, but now you're what? What are you? So because you're light in the Lord, you're born again, you have the ability to know what God knows. Amen. You have the ability to actually know and receive from God guidance and direction, which is obviously re referenced here as a form of light, a way of light. That's why he then says, do what? Walk as children of Light. Walk in the way God has for you. Walk in His way of understanding. Amen. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In other words, the fruit that is the result of this new spirit man within us as we are being led by God brings about what? God's goodness. It brings about what? Doing what's right. Righteousness. And it brings about what? Truth. And truth does what? Separate you from error. Guess what the devil's going to lead you into? Error. How's he going to do that? How's he going to lead you into error? He's going to lead you like the horse and the mule. He's going to use external things. God doesn't lead you that way. So you got to keep saying it because I'm telling you, this is such a sacred cow in so many people's lives, they don't even realize that they're doing it. They don't even realize that they believe it. They don't even realize that they actually believe God leads them through opportunity and circumstance. But that is not what the New Testament says. There's no verse in all the New Testament of the New Covenant that tells us God's going to lead us through opportunity or circumstance. We just read in the book of Psalms 32, we're not to go that way. We're to have understanding. Verse 10, notice this. He said, finding out, you and I, walking in the light of the Lord, what are we supposed to be doing? Finding out what's acceptable to the Lord. What are you and I supposed to be doing? We need to find out what's acceptable to Him. We need to find out what's not acceptable to Him. Because how do you know what's acceptable if you don't know what is not acceptable to Him? Right? Amen. 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of what? Now, we're going to get into this later about why you have to deal with certain aspects of your life if you want to hear from God and follow God. As we're going to go back in just a moment to Romans chapter 8, God leads you by His Spirit to your spirit. Question, if I'm fellowshipping with the wrong spirits, how in tune with my spirit am I going to be? And you're not. You're not. If you're fellowshipping with the wrong spirits, that's going to hinder your ability to actually know and be aware of your spirit, man. The less you're aware of your spirit, man, guess who can't lead you? God can't because he's going to guide you by his spirit to your spirit. And that's why the Bible says again right here even, you'll see other verses that go along with this later when we get to it. You have to do what? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. How do I do that? How do I have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness? All Christians do it all the time. They brag about shows they watch that are filled with, with pornography and with, with, uh, with all kinds of foul language. They brag about all kinds of things they do with their life that is filled with all kinds of worldly aspects to it that are clearly not of God as far as what the actual motive behind what's causing that to happen. I have a question for you. Every movie that has pornography and has a foul language in it, even TV show, whatever, any of that stuff, internet, you name it, is God's spirit behind that? Is God's spirit inspiring that? Is it God's spirit that inspiring writers to write stuff with foul language? Is it God's spirit that's inspiring people to, to have new in their shows? What spirit's behind that? Oh, evil spirits. What if I'm watching that stuff? Guess what you're fellowshipping with? You're fellowshipping with the wrong spirit. 
You still here? What if I got somebody who's always feeding me doubt and unbelief? Now, maybe they're just an immature Christian. But I continue to listen to it. I continue to feed on it. Is God behind all that doubt and unbelief? No. Ultimately, who's behind all that doubt and unbelief? The enemy is. Now, it doesn't mean they have a demon necessarily, although it could. But I'm just saying that could just be their flesh. They're just being mature. Right? But I'm to have no fellowship. Doesn't mean I'm not to love on, reach out to, and try to help people. To walk in the light, but I'm not supposed to do what? I'm not. If I'm at work, oh man, this used to apply to me back in the day when I actually got born again, right after I got born again in the area where I was working in a company I was working with. As these guys would gather at the end of a day or at the start of a day out in the yard before we'd go to our trucks, what do you think most of these guys are talking about? It ain't good. It's a bunch of foul language. Listen, man, listen, 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 listen. I, I recently, not long ago, got the privilege of taking somebody to an event. And I'm not going to talk about what the event is because it's not about what I'm ta- uh, who I'm talking about. It's the, it's the what in this relationship to what I'm talking about. I took them to a very significant event. Several of the people I got to meet at this event, actually for years when I was younger as a rodeo guy, honestly, they were heroes to me. One of them I met that I'd always heard about and, and, and you know, read, even read books about and saw and different aspects of a rodeo world. I saw this guy, et cetera. Really neat guy, really sweet guy. But right next to him was another guy that I'd never met before, never met him. I heard a lot about him, knew him, very famous in the rodeo world today, and I'd never met him. And I'm going to tell you what, every other word almost coming out of that guy's mouth was foul language. Now, like it or not, guess what I'm not going to do? That guy ain't going to be my friend. I'm not going to hang out with him. And the sad part about it was my impression of him seeing his social media posts was that he was actually a believer. Because what he posts on social media ain't what was going on in that conversation. And that conversation wasn't angry or mad about anybody. It's just general conversation. Just general conversation. I thought, I don't want to be that guy's friend. Who do you think is inspiring him with all the foul language? Well, it ain't God. It's the old Adamic nature or the enemy himself that ultimately it comes from. See, how do you, obviously as a believer, follow God? Not externally, internally. How's that going to happen? His spirit bearing witness with what? Your spirit. But the, but the less aware you are of your spirit, the less you're going to get God's leading. We've already talked about it. What determines how aware I am of my spirit? What's your mind set on? Because if your mind's not set on the things of the spirit, but the things of the flesh, guess what? You're going to live carnal. So I could be carnal here and say, but man, this guy's a hero. I want to get to know him. I want to be around him. He's famous. Meaning my mind's set on what? Carnal. But it's not. My mind's set on spiritual things. And it grieved me to even be around the guy. Matter of fact, because I was there with somebody else as a guest, I kind of pulled away and moved away just because I didn't want to be around and listen to him anymore. And after that event, when that person was around talking to other people, I avoided them with everything within me because, number one, you're putting on an appearance, as you're going to see later in this series, you're putting on appearances as if you're somebody who truly is a Christ follower, a believer in God based on stuff you post. But now I see you in person. I've listened to you over the past two hours, just even anywhere around you. And, I mean, you can't hardly get to a sentence without cussing or foul language coming out. Well, what's the big deal, pastor? It's just some foul language. Really? The Bible says to put away all, all words of defilement, all words that have no prosperous gain in them. What, what, what is gained by speaking foul words? Nothing. Where do foul words come from? I don't see God. I don't see God cussing in the Bible. Do you see God cussing in the Bible? Do you see Jesus cussing in the Bible? 
But see, we're supposed to do what? Notice again, verse 11, have no fellowship with what? Tell me. Your fruitful works of darkness. See, I get around people, listen to them for a while. It tells me, if, if, if they want to hear from me, it's amazing how if you're walking in the light, as a child of the light, you're not condemning anybody directly. You might condemn some people. They might feel bad about it, but that ain't a bad thing. Some of the greatest preachers of the day back in before our day in the 1900s, man, I've told you before, man, they would actually walk through a building and people just hitting their knees. They're not even saying a word. Just the presence of God, the glory of God, the anointing of God on them. Man, people knew. Peter knew this. Come on. Jesus borrows Peter's boat, right? And afterwards, he said, now let down your nets for a catch. Oh, we, we fished all night. Okay, nevertheless, your word, we'll throw down the net. And this great haul of fish came. What did Peter do? He ran and fell on his knees before Jesus. Depart from me, man. I'm not worthy for you to be around me. But see, people like that truly are people you can reach out to and help and love on and say, hey, man, it ain't about whether you're worthy or not. It's he who is worthy who will help you become what he wants you to be. But people who choose not to want to live that way, I'm not going to fellowship with them. I'm not going having dinner with them. Especially if they claim to be a believer. Do you know the New Testament says if you know somebody who's a believer who is, is living in any form of idolatry at all or any type of even sexual sin, you know it says not even to eat dinner with them? Do you know there's a New Testament verse that tells you that? Amen. <laughs> it's awful quiet in this holy convocation this morning. I'm trying to help you walk in a leading by God. Yes. But you can't do that fellowshipping with darkness. You're still here. Notice again, we are supposed to, verse 10, find out what's acceptable to the Lord. 11, we're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather do what? Now, that don't mean run around. I didn't run up to that guy and say, foul language, foul language, foul language, I expose it. No, it just means you acknowledge that's not what I need to be around. So I'm not going to be around that. It doesn't say expose them to everybody else. You're just recognizing that ain't right. I understand that's not acceptable to the Lord. I have nothing to do with that. Verse 12, it is shameful. It is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. To even talk about it. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will do what? Give you light. See then. Come on. See then, then you walk what? Circumspectly. That means carefully. Not as fools, but as what? Wise. How? Redeeming the time because the days are what? Doesn't the Bible give us a parable about ten virgins? Aren't five wise and five foolish? Well, every time I see this in the New Testament, I'm reminded, here's a decision as to whether or not I'm a wise virgin or a foolish. See that you walk carefully, not as fools. What do fools do? They hang out with anybody they want. They listen to anything they want. They do anything they want. That ain't wise. I'm going to tell you what, if that puts you out of, out of the category of the wise virgin when Jesus comes back, I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying if it does, guess what you ain't doing? You ain't leaving here when he comes and takes away his church. If you're a foolish virgin, you're not. Thus said Jesus. Redeem your time, meaning what? You got to take advantage of every day you have, of every moment you have of every day. If you want to walk in the light. Anybody want to walk in the light? If I'm walking in the light, what am I doing? God's leading me. God's guiding me in the plan that he has for my life. That takes me away from darkness. I'm glad about that. Notice this. Again, verse 17. Watch this carefully. This is the key verse I want. I read all that to get to this. Remember what he said there in Psalm 32, 8 and 9? 
Remember what he said? I am going to instruct you and teach you if you'll let me guide you through my viewpoint. But to do that, you can't be like the horse or the mule that don't have understanding. So what must I do? Read this verse, 17. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Say, I can. Now why would he say understand what the will of the Lord is if you couldn't know it? Why would he say that? Why would he tell me and you, we need to understand what the will of the Lord is if we could not understand what the will of the Lord is? Well, the way a lot of Christians talk today, even still today, I'll guarantee you, sadly, a lot of places you go will never get taught what you're being taught right now. And the truth is, so many Christians honestly believe, well, you know, here's the phrases. We've already covered them. Everything happens for a reason. As if God is just sovereignly directing everything that goes on within the universe. Not true. I said that's not true. Because if that was true, then that means every work of evil God's orchestrating. He's not. All good gifts come from the Father above. There's no variation, no shadow of turning. So understand clearly, you and I got to know, to understand the will of the Lord means I have to find out what His desire and will is for me. I have to do that. But He's going to reveal it the way He said, not the way I think. He's going to guide me in understanding of His will the way He told me He would do that, not the way I think. But when people start saying stuff like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. These people have no understanding of what the will of the Lord is. None at all because God doesn't lead us that way. Come on, horse and mule. Get the bridle out and say, I can understand the will of God. God doesn't need to use external circumstances in life to guide me. That's not how he's going to guide me. It's not what he's going to do to guide me. So verse 17, I'm not to be unwise. Say, don't be unwise. So here's another foolish virgin, wise virgin verse. Don't be unwise, but do what? Understand what the... What if I don't? What if I don't? Then I'm not wise. And if I'm not wise, what am I not going to do? I'm not going to walk out what God has. So how do I get wise, church? How do I get wise according to that verse? Understand what the will of the Lord is. So that begs the next question. If I can understand what the will of God is, how do I come to know it? How do I do that? So there's two ways. Keep talking about them. There's only two. There's only two. The Word and the witness. How do I know the will of God? The Word of God and the inward witness. Because there are things, again, about your life, decisions you're going to make. I think of David sitting here who stepped out into ministry. There's no verse that says, David, this is time for you to... Did you find one in there? I don't think you did. David, it's time for you to step out in the ministry, go out and do the call of God on your life. There's no verse for that. You listening? But he had the witness of what he was to do, and he lined it up with the word because he had leadership that acknowledged that call on his life. Because when it comes to ministry, you need some leadership. Amen. See, all these, you know, it's amazing to me how it's so clear in the Bible, so very clear in the Bible, that God set it up in ministry. Talking about ministers, fivefold ministers. God set it up in the Bible for ministers to have leadership over their life, to help them, to correct them, to instruct them, to teach them, to guide them, 
to keep them in the context of what they're to do, not meaning they can't hear for God themselves, but that leadership is a strength to their life to help them in any aspect of what they might do to get out of line or to know how to do things. I'm so grateful for Dr. Barclay 20 plus years in my life because there's a lot of things I didn't know how to do as a pastor that without him I would have known. You know why? It ain't black and white in the Bible how to deal with every circumstance. I got to back it up with the word. It's got to be in line with the word. But there's no verse that tells me because this elder flaked out and this is how he flaked out on you. This is what you got to do about that. There's certain things that talk about dealing with elders. But I'm thankful I had a pastor to call up and say, okay, pastor, here's what I'm dealing with. I want to make sure I do this biblically. Can you help me to make sure I'm going the right track here? And it doesn't mean I can't hear from God. I'm certainly already talking to God about that. But it's nice to have some leadership to confirm in your heart you're on the right track. Because when it comes to ministry, we're talking about a whole different level. That doesn't mean that makes anybody higher level than you. It's not what I'm talking about. Whole bigger responsibility. Whole lot more comes with it. We're beyond just your personal life and how you live and what you do, which is critical and vital. Now we have the responsibility of many other people's lives. So understand this. We've got to understand, first of all, I can know the will of God. Say it. I can know the will of God. You can know the will of God about your finances, about your family, about your kids, about your wife, about your husband. You can know the will of God about your job, about your business. You can know the will of God about where you're to go, what you're to do, what you're not to do. You can know all that. You can know all that. And we're to understand it, but not like the horse and not like the mule. He's not going to reveal his will through external circumstances. He's going to do it internally. As many times as we've said this, it's amazing if we don't start looking at our lives, how easily we're still allowing certain little check marks of what we're going by, whether it's God or not, based on things going on, based on things happening or not happening. You listening? How many times I've heard people say, well, I know why, I know why God took this job away from me because he has a better one. Where, where do you get the verse, God took a job from you? If God had a better job for you, let me help you. He's not going to do it by doing something in the natural. Because then he would be violating his word of how he's leading you. People will argue with you about this. No, I happen to know God took that job away. So what you're saying is God is leading you in the natural. You're saying God's using a natural circumstance to take that job away to get you into a better job. He doesn't lead you according to the Bible that way. But you're going to sit here and argue and be antagonistic. I don't, I don't care. Bless God. This is the way I see it. This is, he's not going to lead you the way you see it. He's going to lead you through his viewpoint. How he says he's going to lead you. Come on, horses and mules. Get rid of the bridle and say, I'm going to follow God the way he says he's going to lead me. He's not going to do that by taking a job away. That's in the natural. That's in the night. He's not going to lead you that way. Have he had a better job for you and you're seeking God to know the will of God, which you got to be doing, and know how to follow his leading, guess what God's going to do? He's already going to start nudging you about another opportunity. You're going to, you might see an opportunity come available, but guess what? How are you going to know if that's God or not? I'll tell you how. Not by the opportunity, but do I have a witness in my spirit or not? Is that where God wants me to go? Is that what God wants me to do? Well, I'm not sure. Go interview. Go talk to the boss. Because when you do, while you're there, what should you be checking? Not how much they're going to pay you. Not what kind of benefits they give you. How many know God already knows all that? How many of God already knows all that they're going to pay you? Not just now, but even in the future. Come on, somebody. How many know God already knows the opportunities available there in the future for you? If there are. 
How many know the benefits that they provide? Now, I'm not saying you don't check into that stuff, but that's not what makes a decision. The decision ain't based on whether the benefits are there or not. The decision ain't based on whether the pay's there or not. Well, I've got to have enough to pay my bills. You don't think God doesn't know that? Somebody help me preach today. God doesn't know how much you need to pay your bills. So he's going to lead you in a path that's going to cause you to not have a job to pay your bills? What am I looking for? In every decision of life, what am I looking for? The inward witness. Remember, book of Acts, does it seem good to me? Or does it not? Not feel. What's the seamer on the inside saying? You listening? Am I, am I truly getting an inward witness of God that this is where I need to be? Sometimes you may have to go interview. While you're sitting there interviewing, even though you should probably be paying attention and you should to what they're saying, you need to be going beyond just what they're saying and be listening to your heart and saying, what, do I, what am I sensing here right now? Do I have an absolute peace? Do I, get a, do I get more and more peace as this person talks? Do I get more and more peace as I go forward with looking at this company? Or am I starting to get an agitation and a little bit of a timidity in my spirit? Because if you are, guess what you need to do? Thank you. I appreciate it. This isn't the job for me and walk away. You don't need to tell them, God told me. (laughs) I kind of understand that. God told me I'm not to work here. What, like there's something wrong with us? No, may not be nothing wrong with them. Just may not be where God wants you. Come on, somebody. God wants to lead you in a way to prosper. God wants to lead you in a way to victory. Most people take jobs, do things in the natural all the time without ever checking their spirit to say, is this God or not? That's what we're supposed to realize in the way God leads us. I can know his will, so I can know his will. Go to Romans 8. But how are we going to know it? The way he said. No other way. I said no other way. I said, no other way. How are we going to know it? The way God said. We're going to know the direction God has for us by going through the scriptures and learning according to the Bible as to how God leads us under this new covenant. Period. Could God send an angel? He could, but not likely going to do that. Because again, the truth is, even Satan has angels who look like uh, messengers of light. And therefore, that's why God will rarely do that because you could be easily deceived by demons then. Most people wouldn't even have enough discernment to know, is it an angel from God? If it was just an angelic looking host of a, of a shining countenance, you know what they'd say? Must be God. Must be God. You could entertain angels unaware. You could have a human, uh, what you think is a human standing in front of you. It could just be a demon. Could be an angel of God. You don't know. But I'm just helping you understand, folks. You got to learn to follow God's leading the way He leads you. And it's not through external circumstances. Are you listening? I didn't say, because yes, in the New Testament, God did send angels. He did. But you know what? I believe He sent angels to people that knew the difference to the fact that they would not give way to a demonic spirit. And then that was confirmed in what they did based on how how they walked that out to begin with. Romans chapter 8, back to where we've been. Romans chapter 8, you still with me? So again, verse 14, as many as are led by what? As many as are led by what? This is it. This is how God leads us. How does he lead us? By the Spirit of God. These are what? Sons of God. Now, how does God lead us? Hold your place here. Turn to John 6. How does God lead us by the Word if he's going to lead us by the Spirit? So glad you asked that question. You are the smartest group of people. That's why I love coming and preaching to my church family. Because you people are so smart, you ask all the right questions. 
So how does God lead us? The word and the witness. Well, this just said he's going to lead us by the Spirit. Exactly. Exactly right. I want you to go to John 6 for just a second. Go to 663. John 663. If you're there, say amen. amen. It is the Spirit who gives life. Who is it? The same Spirit he just talked about over here in verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God. Same Spirit. Say same Spirit. It is this Spirit who gives life. The flesh does what? So if I'm following the leading of external things, guess what? That's ultimately not going to profit me. That's ultimately not going to turn out good. Because the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, Jesus said, the what? Tell me out loud. Would that include what you're holding in your hand? Yeah, the words that I speak to you, what are they? Tell me. They are spirit and they are what? The Greek reference to this, they are spirit and filled with life. They're spirit and they're filled with life. So if I am, according to Romans 8, 14, to be led by the spirit of God, where do I begin? The word of God. Because the word of God is what? Spirit. If I'm led by the word, what am I doing? I'm fulfilling Romans 8, 14. Go back to Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're sons of God. So what's the first key thing I do to be led by God? I walk in the light of the word. His word is spirit, and it leads me to what? Zoe life. Remember what he said here earlier in Romans 8? If you're spiritually minded, life and peace. Zoe life and peace. If you're carnally minded, death, separation from that. How does God lead me? Come on, I just want to, I want to keep reaffirming. How does God lead me? The Word and the N-Word. No other way. No other way. Even Brother Hagin had a visitation from Jesus in the latter part of his life about the prophet in the New Testament. Because he was one. And he said, I'm going to teach you about the difference between the Old Testament prophet and the New. Because the Old Testament prophet and the New Testament are not the same. They're not the same. Under the Old Testament, I had to lead my people by that seer. They were ones that I gave my spirit to. Why did he only give his spirit to certain ones? Can you imagine God giving his powerful spirit to all those rebellious children of Israel who wanted nothing to do with God? There's no way, man. So he only gave that spirit to ones he could trust. And therefore, under the Old Testament, because they were the only ones that could have the spirit of God to help them, they could see things that you couldn't know. Under the New Testament, we all now have what? The Holy Spirit living in us. Say, thank you, Jesus. So guess what God expects you under the New? See, you got to understand this too. To whom much is given, we've been given much compared to those of the Old Testament. You listening? We've been given far more than what they had in the Old Testament. Those people could not be born again. They could not have a brand new spirit. They could not have the Holy Spirit living in them. Any good amens on that? So to whom much is given, much is what? Required. Required. So we're required even more as a New Testament child of God to understand how God leads us and how God does this according to the Bible. Not according to our ways or what we think. So again, the Spirit, verse 14, the Spirit of God is the one who leads us. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are also now what? Sons of God. Now, you know the phrase isn't male or female. The phrase here actually, and it's not even the word for child of God. It's not that word. That's a different word. If you look up in the New Testament where it talks about being a child of God, it's not this same word. This word means I'm dependent on him. Can I give you a better way to say it? He's guiding me because I'm, I'm dependent on him to guide me. All who are being led by the Spirit, guess what they're doing? They're depending upon the guidance of the Father. 
As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? These are those who are dependent upon the guidance of the Father. That's the same phrase for the sons of God. 15, because you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received now the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father. 16, the spirit does what again? Bears witness with our spirit. Even that we are what? Children of God, and therefore of children we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we do what? Suffer with him. So how are we going to walk out our inheritance? You have to suffer with Jesus. Well, how do I suffer with Jesus? Well, if you look at Jesus' own words, you look at his own words of what he referred to his suffering. He spoke about it at the, at the Passover meal. Last meal with his disciples. He said, I'm about to go to my suffering. Guess what he was about to do? Anybody think you might suffer a little bit by being beaten with a cat of nine tails to the point of death? You think that might be a little bit of suffering? Crown of thorns put on your head? Spikes run through your hands and feet? What's he saying? The same way that I hung on that cross to die for your sin and to show that your flesh has to be crucified, you too have to suffer by crucifying your flesh. Amen. How do you crucify your flesh? You don't go by your understanding. You go by God's. Your flesh has its way. Come on. God has his way. And when you choose God's way, guess what your flesh does? Just like a little kid. Starts whining, crying, and throwing a fit. But you know what you do? You tell your flesh to shut up. You tell your flesh, you're suffering, buddy. You're not my ruler anymore. You just shut up. I'm going God's way. Can I get a better amen? So this is telling me and you that if we are going to be led by God, how are we going to be led by God? His Spirit. How are we led by the Spirit? The Word and the inward witness. Because even for me, in relationship to decisions I've made, how about that building? How did I know what building we were to build? How did I know where the property was? How am I going to know that? Just in the natural? Well, you could do that. You could do that. You could just look in the natural, try to find something, try to make it work. But what if you don't have a witness about it? See, my way, let me, let me explain something to you about the property in that new building, the property down the road. It's just a little over four acres. That wasn't my way. That wasn't at all my way. I wanted a minimum of 20. Have extra room, have other places to do. I want a minimum of 20. But I'm going to tell you right now, my way ain't God's way. God's way ain't my way. When I saw that land, I almost discounted it. But I thought, no, I need to actually check inside and ask God, is this right or not? I went and actually drove on that property before we ever bought it. I walked around. I sat there and prayed about it. I spent time in prayer talking to God about it and said, okay, Lord, is this you or not? And guess what? The more I thought about it, the more I took time to think on whether or not we should buy that property, the stronger the peace became. I told Kathy the same thing. Told her to pray. She did. I trusted her as well. You, you tell me if you have a check about this, you let me know. But I'm going to tell you what. God knows exactly what he's doing. I said, God knows exactly what he's doing. Because at first I thought, if we don't have at least five, there's no way we could build that facility and have room for parking and everything. But guess what? We do. We still have even room for a grass area down on the far end. Already all been approved. All been approved by the, by the town. Architecture plan's all done. All that ready to go. As the money comes in, then we'll start building. But understand this. If I'd have gone by my understanding, I'd have never bought that property. If I'd have gone by my understanding, I'd have been looking at a building based on what I wanted, not what God wanted. 
Years ago. See, one of the things you don't like about God, God pre-planned stuff so far ahead. Has some, we don't want to wait. We want it now. Anybody besides me like that? Nobody's like that here, right? So just me. I'll just confess. I know you're all good. But God plans stuff years in advance. You listening? Ten years till Isaac was born. How about building the ark? How many years to build the ark? Huh? How many? Somewhere between 80 and 100 years, they say. I'm just telling you, folks, the key you and I got to realize is we can't get caught up in the time frame issue other than knowing we're following God in our decisions. You could miss the timing of God if you're not listening to him. But if you're looking to him and following inward witness, guess what? He'll lead you the direction you're supposed to go. So years ago, before we ever even were in Ponder, before we ever knew this is where we were supposed to be, a long time ago, back when we were in Roanoke, one day it began to become strong on my heart. And we even, I didn't take it because we had a word from the Lord through our pastor, because it could mean different things. But I'm telling you, actually, the very, uh, one of the first words I ever got from Dr. Barclay was the Lord said, you go build a house for me, son, and you put my name on it. And in my spirit, I just knew that means I'm going to build a building. We're not going to find one that's already built. But you know what I did for years after that? Look for a building. Yep. See, none of you do this, I know. Just, I'm just confessing your passages. Give me a few little pastoral moments with you. You can pastor me for about 10 minutes, and I'll just make my own confession. So I started looking for, I was looking for buildings all the time, trying to find a building. Man, we need a building, need a building, need a building. But yet in my spirit, when that was spoken, even every time I ever thought about it, I always knew in my spirit, God was saying, you're going to build a building. You're going to build one. Not, not find one, you're going to build one. So for years, we went without obviously going the direction really God needed us to go, all because I was looking for a building. God didn't say look for a building. But God prepares you ahead of time, say ahead of time. So as I began to meditate on that more, I realized you don't want us to find a building. <laughs> hey, pretty smart, huh? Took a little while, but I got it figured out. So then I started praying about a building. I said, okay, but my gosh, man, plans for buildings? Look around, they're, they're, I mean, how many different plans can you come up with for a church building? Tons. But you know what immediately came up in my spirit as I began to pray about it? Ask your pastor. Amen. You don't have to. You don't have to ask your pastor about everything. But you know why he told me to ask him? And I knew. I mean, the minute he asked me, I knew exactly why he wanted me to ask him. Any idea how many church buildings Dr. Barclay's been in in his lifetime? So the next chance I got to be with my pastor, this is exactly how the Holy Spirit had me worded. Pastor. If you tore down every building you've ever built and you started all over again with the idea of knowing all these churches you've been in, is there one building that stands out to you that you would pattern your building? He didn't hesitate. He said, oh, yeah, Jim Hall's church in Minnesota. Now, Jim Hall's no longer there. It's now a school, but he was at the time. And I said, really, why? He said, it's a perfect layout. I've been through that thing frontwards, backwards. Yeah, I've been in a lot of churches. But if I was to tear down everything I got, which I'm not going to, I'd love to if I could. But if I was, he said, that's exactly what I would build a church like because it's the perfect layout. So lo and behold, I turned around and get on the phone. A couple weeks later, I called Jim up there at the church. And I said, hey, Pastor Jim, it's Daryl. He said, yeah, Daryl, how you doing? I said, good, man. I said, Pastor told me if he was to start all over, am I boring you? Talking about being led by God. I lost my subject. I said, Pastor told me that um, Pastor told me that if he started all over, he'd build a building like yours. Anyway, I could get your plans. Now, how do I know if God's still leading me? Because those opportunities are available? No, that's external. You got to follow the 
inward witness. Yeah, God will provide, but you still don't go by that. You go by whether God's leading you or not. And lo and behold, you know, Jim said, you know what? Not only will I give you plans, but you know what? Pastor uh, Barclay's got a conference coming up here in a couple weeks. Why don't you just come up, come up for the, come to the conference? I said, absolutely, love to, man. So I did. Long story short, he took me through the whole building. And guess what else I got to learn? The mistakes they made. Things he would have done differently, even though that layout's great. Some things that they would have done differently to make it better. They actually set it up, which we don't have to in Texas. They've got a huge place in the very entry part of their church for where everybody hangs their coats. We don't need that here. You do in Minnesota, especially the time I was there. Yeah, it was 22 below for the high all week. That was the high. You stepped out of your car, took one breath. You thought you were going to die. It's like every, all what little droplets of, of, of uh, liquid you had in your lungs froze. Now I know why they cough so much up here. They can't breathe. Long story short, he gives me all their plans. We got all their plans, laid it all out. How I many you know God had a plan? We still didn't have property. I had plans way before I ever had property. But that building set so perfectly on that property. The layout is so ideal. God already knew that. Now why does God only want us on four acres? Any idea what's coming in all around that? The city of Ponder, the town of Ponder, owns the 120-something plus acres around it. Well, guess what they're going to do? They're going to they're build ball fields and all that. Man, they're going to bring everybody right to our church. Amen. Everything that's a way of an activity of what's in this park downtown now is going to be magnified to 120 acres out there. And guess what they're going to do? Our church is going to be right in the middle of all of it. Amen. I mean, oh, God knows what he's doing. But you got to do what? Follow the inward witness. Can't go your way. Even in that setting, I wanted more property. I didn't like the idea of only having four acres. But God knows what he's doing. I said, God knows what he's doing. He can reach thousands of souls on four acres just like he could 40. He's God. I said, he's God. The one thing I was not wanting to compromise in, and I had a witness in my spirit about it, is I wasn't going to compromise in building a little building. I've had so many people try to get me to change these plans. You listening? I had one of the key people in our church one time come to me and say, now, Pastor, look, I understand you want to build this, but come on, man. Realistically, we're not going to build this. I said, you're right. You're exactly right. I never asked you to build it. God's going to build it. God wants it. Yeah, he'll use people, but he may use more than just you. And he already is. I said, he already is. I said, God, if, if I'm obeying God and do what God told me to do, God will build it. I'm like Hagen. I'm Brother Hagen this thing when God told him to build Raymond. Don't want to. But if you want to, I'll obey you. I'll do what you told me to do. You're still here. And I've had people tell me, oh, but listen, just make it smaller, downsize it. Well, if you downsize it, guess what? It's a whole lot harder to upsize it once you downsize it. It's a whole lot more expensive and a whole lot more costly and more difficult. And in some ways, not possible based on building codes. You listening? Well, let's start with a smaller building. How are you going to do that and wind up with that one? Why? We, I've heard this from so many context, quote unquote, people even outside my church, but even a few in my church. Why are we building a church to seat 700? Hmm. Well, God told me to. That's why. Well, look around, Pastor. We don't even have that many people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, come on. Are you serious? I mean, if we got a handful of new uh, families in this church and everybody else was here that's not gone this weekend, where are we going to put them? 
So we're going to wait till we get 700 crammed in this little room. And now we need a 700 seat sanctuary. Let's go build it. You listening? God didn't tell Noah, gather all the animals. When you get them all gathered, then build an ark. No, you build the ark and then you go get the animals. I'm just obeying God. I said, I'm just obeying God. So if you obey God, does anybody have any idea what's going on in this area of North Texas within a seven mile radius? Do you have any idea? Do you know seven miles down the road right here at 35 and 2449? How many homes are going to be built? 25,000 plus. That's Denton proper. I've confirmed it with builders. I've confirmed it with the, with the people in this area. I mean, I've started seeing some of the infrastructure going, and then nothing going on. I talked to a, 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 an actual gal that does financing for I said, is this still going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, is it happening? You better believe it's happening. I said, how come nothing's going on? She, you understand. 25,000 homes, infrastructure. They're going through all kinds of permitting with the state. I, swear, I see the paperwork all the time. They're having to deal with all this stuff with the state. It's a lot of red tape, man, before you start building homes. They got to build sewer plants. They got to build water towers. They can't rely on what Ponder has. Fire stations. You listening? Fire stations. I got to build all this, all this infrastructure. She said that many homes, they're not going to release it to start building until they get all this infrastructure figured out, which they're working on. You listening? There are 200 plus new homes coming in right up the street here. They already started. They're building the water tower now. If you don't know what that funky looking thing is laying on the ground out there, that's a water tower. They got to have their own water. They already filled it. They finished their sewer plant. It's on the other side over on 380. They got it built already. You still here? Yeah. I mean, there's homes coming in everywhere around us. They just built 120 right next to us. Come on, somebody. I think God knows what he's doing. What are we supposed to do? Obey him. How's he going to lead you? Don't be like the horse. Come on. Don't be like the mule. Why? He's not going to lead you externally. How's he going to lead you? Tell me. How's he going to lead you? The Word and the witness. All through the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's learn about how to truly get obedient in hearing from God to be led by Him. Amen? We'll start talking about more about that tonight. Stand to your feet. Hope I helped you today. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.